Hello and welcome to episode 16 of The Art of Dating. I have some of my all-time favorite people here tonight to uh, record this episode with us. Mark and Lydia. Hi. Hello. Uh, who t- Tell us Mark and Lydia. They, they are a couple, a married couple, so this is going to be perfect. Tell us just a little bit about yourselves. We've been married for a year and a half, coming up on two years in September. In November. In November. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect, yes. Uh, that's okay, because on the first episode, I said how long I'd been married, and it was wrong. And Sister Ega was, Angie was in the room, and so that was not good. Yeah, we met in choir. So met in choir. So Father I had Ega something. has seen the whole story. Yes. Yes, and it's been awesome. It's an awesome story. And Mark, where are you from? South Jordan. South Jordan. Born and raised. Born and raised. And then you went to? I went to Bingham High School. After served a mission right away, that was the age change to, at 18 years old, and went to Paraguay for two years. Came back. Uh, went LDS, to college. Went to LDSBC for a semester. Mm. Then went down to UVU to finish my degree in aviation. Then did choir for a lot of those years. And this is my and last met year. this most amazing girl. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when we tell our story, when we met, I like to. I was on the audition board when she came in, and then I like to tell like. Love at first sight, right, right there. That's right. She actually scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I was she, a little she started singing, <laughs> she and you're like, "I'm going to marry that girl." She'll back up a little yeah. bit. She just watched. She was dead serious. Just auditioned and walked I out. I was nervous. Was <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lydia, tell us about yourself. Okay, so I was born and raised in Linden, Utah, and um, went to Pleasant Grove High School. Then went on a mission to Seattle, um, and then. Did a year at BYU, dropped out of BYU to pursue my artistic dreams at the Beaux-Arts Academy, which is also in Provo. And so that's what I do now is uh, paint and do religious work, hopefully for the temple someday. Nice. And your claim to fame in terms of uh, your religious art so far? Um, I've had my hand in a couple temples so far. And the frames, I've done some sculpture for framework and gold gilding. And then I was a student assistant on the row mural behind the Christus. Didn't you get to paint one so of those little lambs on I did that? get a, my own personal little sheep Wow, the that's, mural. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm going to go to Rome just to see that. All right. And, to, and on the single side, we have Hannah joining us. Uh, you're going to recognize Hannah's voice from before. Hannah, you're from where? Syracuse. Syracuse. Nice. And you're going to school right now? No, I just graduated. That's right. You did just graduate because now we're in the summer. Excellent. That's right. How fun is that? Congratulations. Um, Fun. Well, thanks to the three of you for joining us. And uh, Kayla's going to be doing some editing on this and add some of her own insights. But so in the last... the last two episodes, episodes 14 and 15, if, I, if I've got these right, I think I do, uh, we talked about finances and making your family financially secure and how that will be a benefit or a detriment to your marriage. Just before that, before we launched into that, we were talking about getting into dating relationships. And I just want to recap a little bit of that because we've had so many people reach back to us and say, hey, I want to, you know, can you talk about this? Or what do you think about this? I've had lots of people stop me. I've had a couple of bishops contact me. You know, what, what can I do to, to forward this? So uh, it's funny because Angie and I recorded that one, I think, Hannah. Is that right? I know you listened to it because we've talked about it. But we recorded that one and, and we talked about going from the bait 
to the boat, right? Getting your boat in the right pond, becoming the right bait. This sounds so terrible. You too, I know you haven't listened to it. So, um, Becoming the right bait, right? Becoming the best you that you can be because light attracts light. And then getting your boat into the right pond, right? Getting, getting somewhere that uh, you feel like, oh, this is where I can find someone to date in that location. And then figuring out how to get your bait out of the boat into the water and attract somebody that uh, would be in your dating pool that you're interested in dating, right? And Hannah, you and I have had some conversations about this. What were your insights? Can you, do you have a second? I mean, of course you've got a second because you're sitting right here with me. Uh, I mean, do you have some thoughts is what I meant. Do you have some thoughts about, uh, I don't know, bait, boat, and getting a, a shark on the line? Yeah, well, a shark, wow. Yeah. Well, we're not, we're not fishing for Point guppies here. Pond, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, you and I were talking about this earlier, I think. Um, it's one part that I've recently been thinking about, especially after listening to that podcast was, um, well, the episode was <laughs> not being too overeager when you're reeling in, um, kind of like jumping the gun. Sometimes it's kind of easy when you do get a bite to kind of put all your, like put all your eggs in that basket, kind of like hope for that to work yeah. out. Because you, know. you want it to work out so badly. And and this is actually, this is something that one of the bishops was talking with me about that is kind of using the podcast for his word, that th- this can be a challenge, right? Where you go, the person wants it so badly and they want to be married and they want to have somebody and they want, and so all of a sudden they find someone that's potential. And, you know, we've been using this fishing analogy, Mark and Lydia, that we, you, all of a sudden you get a bite and you're like, you know, you start reeling that thing in so fast that it either rips it right out of their mouth or they break the line or whatever, you know, to stay with the fishing ideas that, that you want it so badly that maybe you go from first date to please marry me or all of my, you know, my dreams are on you. And that can be startling, you know, and not only is it startling, but if it doesn't work out, it can be crushing. Right. Yeah, even if you're not like jumping the extreme of if you want to get married to them, maybe you're really excited about, you know, the prospect, right? So you're like not super okay with sticking the present, you know, like if I'm in A, then B is going to happen and then C, right? But you're not content to just stay in A, right? Like be with that person, right. have fun with them in the moment and take life as it comes. You're trying to yeah. move the relationship along maybe a little bit too fast or go mm-hmm. from beginning stages of your relationship to, to I just want to be at the end so that we can be right. We or can, maybe you even put too many like too much of your I don't know your hopes into it or too mm. much feeling into it so it hurts more yeah. if B and C doesn't happen yeah. right. That's interesting because we we want to give our whole selves to it right. And feel free, Mark and Lydia, anytime you have a comment, but you want to give your whole self to it because this is what we're about right. I mean, there's so many young adults going. I want to date. I want to get married. There's no problem. I was I was teaching a class uh, this last week. And I said to a student, was like, hey, would you help me? And I'm like, yes, I want you to listen to the blank and blank episode. And they said, I didn't even listen to the first one because I want to get married so badly, I don't have to have that first episode. And I thought, I totally understand you because the first one was about getting married. You know, like, I don't have to listen to I want to get married. But I think we see a lot of young adults going, I want to be married. I want to get married. I, I have this, this desire. And all of a sudden, you get a, a, you know, you get a little catch on the line. You get a bite. You start reeling it in. Maybe you're too anxious or maybe just it's not the right fish. You pull it up and you go, oh, I was looking for a trout. Turned out to be a salmon. This is not good. And this is this is the response I got from this bishop. He says, and it's hard. It's hard when you go, I was thinking I was going to get married. Then I didn't. And now do I, do I want to get back in the game? Yeah, you feel like you're starting over. 
Yeah, and it's but this time you go, will it happen again? Right? Will it happen again? So uh, one of the questions that this leads us to is, all right, so how can I know if the person that I'm dating would be a good match for me to get married? Right? If if this is a good marriage match, is this are we marriage compatible, the two of us? And I know you two have a little bit of a story, and you're I'd love would love to hear it as part of this episode. But as we go along, and you know, when you're ready to kind of share your story, how you knew, like, this is someone I want to marry, right? We're going to avoid the word supposed to marry uh, because that's that really doesn't go, that doesn't flow with what the brethren have taught. It's not church doctrine that there's one out there for you. In our last episode, we read a couple of quotes from Elder Uchtdorf where he said, there really isn't, for most people, he said, I don't even think for anybody, there is that one, right? There was, there, there's just that one individual one. So how do you know if if the person that you're dating is a good person to pursue marriage with? Let's just look at a couple of quotes here. So love this first quote is by President Kimball. You know, he had a lot to say on marriage. We probably quote him five or six times uh, in each episode. But he said, The antagonisms which naturally follow such mismating. So he's talking about dating somebody that doesn't have commonalities with you. The fact that these and many other reasons argue eloquently for marriage within the church. Now, now you may go, okay, so the first thing I'm looking for is marriage within the church. Well, I'm not sure that that's exactly what he means, but let's talk about why that might be difficult. If you're going, okay, I, I want to know what my must-haves are, and is this going to be a good match for me? Can you imagine if you're in the church and your person that you're dating is not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there's going to be some things that are difficult. I can tell you that there are some times I've come home from my church callings and I'm like exhausted and I've been away from the family and it's been difficult while I've been gone. And I can imagine if I came home and Angie didn't believe in what I was doing, that there would be fights immediately. Do you know what I mean? You are giving too much. You're sacrificing our lives to that church. But because she believes it to be the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and, and, you know, and I try to balance it. I want to be fair. I try. I don't just sacrifice the family to church work. But you could see how it would cause some contention in a marriage. Uh, what about paying tithing? You can see how difficult that would be. To, you know, to say, look, let's have faith to pay 10% to my church. When the other person's saying, we're barely getting by. And you're like, but there's miracles. Haven't you ever read a church magazine? And they're like, no, I've never read one of those, right? And, you, yeah. you know, you can see that that. that. So he says... Where husband and wife, we're going back to his quote, marriage within the church, where husband and wife have common backgrounds in terms of belief backgrounds, right? He's not talking about ethnic or cultural backgrounds. Common ideals. So if one of you is saying, hey, I think we should not partake of these certain things, right? In terms of maybe media or in terms of food or alcohol, those drugs. Common ideals and common standards. Common beliefs, hopes, and objectives. Well, that is a really significant. So if someone came to me and said, "Is this, do you think this person's a good match for me? I'd say, let's start here. Do you have common beliefs? Because if not, you're going to be immediately pulling against each other. And they'd say, well, you don't have to believe the same. Let me explain why. Because your beliefs lead to your hopes and your objectives. So let's say it's like, like, it's like an old-time uh, cart being pulled by two horses, right? An old-time wagon. Right? They used to do these horse pulls where they'd put two horses or, or oxen up there. If you have the same objective at the end, then both horse, both of the horses will pull in the same direction or both of the oxen. 
both ox will pull in the same direction. But if you have different objectives, then you're going to split the wagon, right? Which will become your relationship. And so why do we, why do we recommend that someone has the same maybe belief backgrounds, common ideals, common standards? Because those, right, your beliefs are going to lead to your objectives. For the two of you, you're already thinking, well, our objective is to be a forever family. If one of you didn't believe in that, you'd have a different objective. And having a different objective, you would do things differently, right? Your objective will affect each step of your plan. Absolutely. And I thought I just had was that if um, things will just flow together really easy if you're on that same belief system. It's really easy for Lydia and I to say prayers together over our food and uh, at a nighttime or even talk about deep topics for a while. It's just easy. To, things just flow a lot easier. It's really nice. If, if you're coming from the same belief yeah, system. if you're yeah. coming from the same religious background and even having what probably a lot of people would see from the outside as very similar or the same upbringing, there's plenty of differences <laughs> in our two families and in the way we've been brought up to think about things that I would not want to add religion into that mix of things we have to sort out and decide of how we want to run our family. Because there's enough differences as it is. Wow, that's so well said. Thanks, Lydia. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I've, you know, I've got lots of extended family members where I've seen this, you know, marrying in and out of different belief systems. So, so let me go back and just make this really clear. Why would we recommend that? Because those belief systems are going to lead to your objectives, right? And those objectives are going to determine how you live your life, right? You are going to, to do every step of your life is going to be based on what direction you think you're going. And so it's the same. We talked about this in terms of finances. You want to marry somebody who has the same financial goals as you. Because if they don't, you're going to find you're walking off in different directions, right? And that leads to contention in the marriage. Good. Excellent. Anything else you want to say about this before we move on? Well said. <laughs> yes, that, that was, Lydia, that was really well said. So let's go back and let's look at another one by David O. McKay. I know some of these are old, but these are some of the paragons of marriage, right? David O. McKay is one of the great ones for us. In choosing a companion, it is necessary to study the disposition, the inheritance, and the training of the one with whom you are contemplating making life's journey. Now, this does not mean, right, this is different. When he says the inheritance, that doesn't mean like, hey, I want to see your bank account. Whoa, there's no way I'm marrying you. you know, you've got a little old white car and, and $1,500. That's not it, right? Uh, he's talking about what have they learned growing up? What have they inherited in terms of what have they learned? And, you know, uh, something that I have found watching my sons-in-law is that they can learn pluses and minuses. You know, you go, well, uh, you know, and they were all raised by great people. I love all, all of their parents. But you go, some of the things they go, I'm not going to do blank because my parents did. I bet both of yeah. you, I, both of you are nodding your heads because I, Angie and I did the same thing. My parents did blank and I didn't like that. So I'm going to do something else. And you go, what if, so really you need to, and I, I like how he says this back to President McKay, quote, it is necessary to study, right? Really spend some time looking at the person that you're dating and saying, okay, what have they learned about parenting from being raised by parents? And, and how can I ferret that out? How can I find that out? I'm going to spend time around. I'm going to do things, you know. Um, and maybe while we're doing this, each of you can be thinking, 
Like, what have I appreciated about they, what they've learned about their inheritance? What have, what's their training, right? What have they picked up? What is their training? And then how do they feel about this? You have to study their disposition. Are they generally kind? Are they generally, right? Lydia, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, I just think this is so important. <laughs> and it's easy to disregard um, people's family life and background because you don't want to judge them for their family. But it does seep into everything. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for example, so I wouldn't recommend... I don't know if I'd recommend this route, but this was our journey. Uh, we dated for a year, and we broke up three different times in that year, as I'm sure Brother I get. I totally, yes, I totally remember, because one or the other of you was constantly leaving choir in tears, right? And I'm like, no. quit crying and keep singing. Okay, keep going. That's kind of true. But most, if not all, you can correct me on this, Mark, but most of them were because we were working through hard stuff of trying to get to know each other and how each other learned to cope with things or learned to identify what a healthy relationship was and what wasn't. And we just had to break through some serious pride walls on both of our sides and come to grips with what was the truth of that. So I like to say we did a lot of our heavy lifting that a lot of people figure out during marriage while we were dating. And I don't know what it was that made us do that early on, but that was usually the case was because we were evaluating just how we wanted to live and if, <laughs> it's almost like whose family was right. Yeah. The lifestyle stuff. Yeah, and, and you probably have the, had the same experience that Angie and I had where you go, well, it turns out there was some good in both of those. Yeah. And there was some bad in both of those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and both of both of your parents inherited that from their parents, from both sides, where they went, oh, man, we're going to take some of this and some of that. And, and sometimes you see this circle, you know, they're like, my parents were so strict, so I'm going to be much softer on my children. Then the next child's like, my parents were too soft. I'm going to be much, but, you know, <laughs> and eventually you kind of see this. But but I love what you what you two have highlighted here. And, and back to the quote, it's necessary to study some of this, right? To say, what is the disposition of the person I'm dating? How do they feel about these kinds of things? What have they learned from growing up? And, and if you're going to contemplate marrying somebody, you're not just marrying them as a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You're marrying them as a husband or wife. How are they going to be as a husband or wife, as a full-time companion? Even more so, you're marrying them as a mother or a father, right? What are they going to be as a mother or a father? And then now you're getting to my age and you go, what are they going to be like as a grandparent? You know, how, how are they going to continue to bless this family? And that's really hard to think when you're first dating. You know, when I, sometimes I'll have a student come in and say, oh, brother, just tell me, should I keep dating this person? <laughs> and I'm like, for $50. No, I don't say that. <laughs> but uh, they're like, please just tell me, should I keep dating him? I say, I'm going to ask you one question and let's see where we go from there. Okay, one question. What, you know, and they, they think I'm about to say, do you love them? Right? <laughs> and I usually say, what? Do you want your sons to be like the man you're dating? That's the one question I usually ask if it's a girl. Are you going to be okay if your son turns out to be just like this boy? Because he will. I mean, all of statistics say he will. Or do you want your daughters to turn out to be just like the girl you've chosen to date? And I'll tell you, it, it, 
you know, <laughs> sometimes they're like, okay, thanks, <laughs> you know, and, and I hear they broke up or they're like, yes, that was the first thing that attracted me to them. And really that, that is, so what have they, you know, what have they inherited in terms of their abilities there? I love that. Let's look at another one. Thanks, you guys. That was really great. Eleanor Conkey, Bruce McConkie says this, and this is, we're going to spend a little bit of time here. The right person is someone for whom the natural and wholesome and normal affection that should exist does exist. So he's going to break his into three. The natural and wholesome and normal affection that should exist does exist. What does he mean there? It means you're attracted to them. You should have, you know, I one time I had a young man come in and visit me and he said, oh, brother, should I marry this girl? You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. I always say, I will not be getting a revelation for you, I can tell you right now. That that is going to be between you and the Lord and you and your efforts in dating. Uh, you know, but I'll listen to your story and I can show, share with you some quotes. And that's all I ever try to do is share some quotes because I don't want to get in the middle of their relationship. But he said, I said, well, how much do you like her? I like her a lot. Sometimes not as much. And, and he said, you know, I just, I just find I'm just not really attracted to her. And that was a red flag. I immediately brought up this quote, right? Let's, let, let me show you a quote here. The natural and wholesome and normal affection that should exist does exist. Uh, you want to look at your spouse and feel that. And sometimes, you know, we've made such a big deal out of not being shallow. Sometimes we go, you don't have to really be attracted. You just have to think they're wonderful people. But I love that we've got a, a prophet right here saying, right, one of the 12 apostles saying, you should be attracted to them because that's going to be a big part of their relationship. And I said to this young man, I think the girl that you're dating deserves to marry a boy who finds her attractive. Amen. Who can say to her, yes, amen. You know, who can say to her, wow, I, to me, you're the best looking woman in the world. Right, and a part of that is love, and a part of that is I find you attractive. Marks and they're looking at each other. This is so cute. We're gonna have to make a video. <laughs> We're gonna have to make a video version of this one. Good. Any, any. If you have something to say, feel free to jump in about that. I, I find a lot of things. When I was first getting to know Lydia, she actually came up to me at, at I think at the end of a devotional um, that we had sang for other Suarez, mm-hmm. and. We, everybody got to shake his hand, and she was nice enough just to take a picture of me. And she's like, hey, can I just send this picture of you? And then I, I noticed her, and I was like, wow, how come I have not noticed this girl before? Like, she's really attractive. Like, she's she just caught my eye right there. And so then that's when I started to really observe her from a distance. <laughs> not stalkishly, like, but... <laughs> stalkishly, I love that word. Thank I you. wanted to see how she interacted with other people around her, like how she treated others and how she acted in different situations and the more I saw the more depth I saw I was like wow this is this got a really uh, deep level personality that I was even more attracted to because love is a lot more than skin deep is that how that yes so so let's go to let's go to some of this so I'm trying to decide if I want to marry the person that I'm dating and there are these five levels or five areas of attraction that we've been kind of talking about as we've gone through this emotional spiritual physical right and you go, isn't that interesting that her kindness, there was something social, that she had a, a social ability or a skill. Her disposition, as President McKay would say, her disposition was the first thing that made you open your eyes and go, wow. And you didn't go, wow, she is socially cute, right? <laughs> but that, that was, there was some of that to that. Wow, she's, she's kind. 
And then all of a sudden it opened your eyes to, wow, and she's physically cute. And I'm going to study her disposition. I'm going to, not stockishly, as you said, <laughs> I'm going to observe her. And this is what I think some people fail to do, is to uh, kind of observe the person that they're dating and say, I'm going to, I've, I've got a heart full of emotions, but I'm going to try to objectively, slightly, as, as objective as I can, I'm going to examine them and say, well, what are the things that would make them a good match for me? So let's take a pause in the quotes here for a second. And you guys have all heard me say this because I know I've had classes with all of you, but you know, I like to think of these, this relationship like two gears, right? Like if you were able to see two gears inside of an engine where, you know, there's teeth and gaps, right? And we talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, but there's teeth and gaps. And like on the back of my motorcycle, I have a 52 tooth gear. So it's the sprocket. And it's got 52 teeth on it. And then it hooks up to a chain. But you can also hook those up gear to gear. So where one gear goes against another gear. I bet you've all seen those. And, you know, there's a little movie clip at the start of one of the, uh, the production houses that has two gears like that. But what you're looking for is to find two gears that will match up. And, and that doesn't mean that one gear is better or worse than another gear. So, if, you know, if I were to take my 52 gear sprocket and I wanted to go metal against metal... I would try to find another one that had similar teeth size and similar gap size. Uh, as opposed to another gear that's on my bike, which is my front gear, which is a 12 tooth gear. And you go, I couldn't put those two together. One has huge teeth and big gaps and has small teeth. Now, which of those two sprockets is better? Well, there, there's not one that's better than the other. They're just different. And so I think the more we realize this, the, the more it brings peace and calm to our dating life. Where you go, what's wrong with me? You know, I really wanted to date. And Hannah, we just had this conversation, right? Where you go, it's so tempting to say, what's wrong with me? I, I you know, I want to date so-and-so. Well, it turns out in their mind, maybe they're a 24-tooth gear. And you're 52 teeth. And you go, well, you know, what's, you know, and you, and you think of it, man, those teeth and gaps are not going to mesh up. And that's going to end up in a lot of a lot of crushed metal, a lot of broken teeth, right? And we don't, no one wants to be in a relationship with broken teeth. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it leads to a lot of friction, right? Really, that's what it does and when it you have wears metal. Both down. And it wears both down. And so what you're looking for is someone who's compatible with you. And so let, let's go back to President, or let's go on to President Monson's quote. This, for me, greatest marriage quote of all time. Quote, this is in October of 2011, priesthood session. Perhaps you're afraid of making the wrong choice. To this I say, you need to exercise faith. Find someone with whom you can be compatible. And that's what we're talking about with David O. McKay. So think back on the relationship. We're going back. I'm just going to continue, just like I would do in class. I'm going to continue saying, the purpose of this one is to say, can I marry the person I'm dating? Is this a good marriage for me? Well, I'm studying not only their disposition, but I'm studying how their disposition and their training and their inheritance match up with mine. Because you may go, I, I could think of lots of girls that I look back and I go, they were a wonderful person. They just were not a good match for me. Their training was great. They learned lots of great things. But for me, they weren't a good match. When I found Angie, I went, oh, we have, we really mesh well. Like you said, the flow, there's a flow to your relationship. And I love, that, I love that President Monson puts all of the burden on us. Find someone. That's the exact quote. Quote, find someone 
with whom you can be compatible, that that has similar background, desires, goals, right, uh, objectives that you go, we're not going to have to fight tooth and gear here, right, tooth and gap. And it's not going to cause mental fatigue and it's not going to cause stress or put strain or wear us both down. It's not going, uh, you know, sometimes we're also tempted, and, and Hannah, maybe you could talk towards this a little bit if you think of something, but sometimes we're a little, t- a little tempted to try to, we see somebody who's a 12 tooth and you go, oh, they're just so wonderful. I'm a 52 teeth, but I'm cutting me down. You know what I mean? I'm going to try to remold me. I'm going to reshape me so that they'll want to date me. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. that's. I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. It's really easy to, when you find someone you feel compatible with, in some ways, to try to maybe kind of change some aspects of yourself to better fit with that person, right? You know, and it kind of, it's a detriment to yourself to do that because then you're not looking at the situation objectively. You know, you're writing a lot more of your hopes than you probably should be on this one relationship um, where you maybe should be looking in other realms. Where I think we've all probably been in relationships where even from the start you went, we are not a match. Mm-hmm. And you stayed with it because you just wanted to be a match, right? <laughs> right. You're like, I, so I'm telling you right now, somebody's going to listen to this and go, oh my gosh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am... Uh, we really ought to do a video of this because I'm like, I'm smacking my own head and stuff. Uh, yes, please. I'm sorry. It's it's hard, too, because if you feel like you match up with someone in some ways, it's hard to imagine, like, having that end or cutting that off and then having to put yourself back out there again. Oh, yes. Right? Which is what I like about his quote. And he says, perhaps you're afraid of making the wrong choice. That's something you and I have talked about, too, where it's, you know, we're afraid of putting ourselves back in the water, throwing our line back out because of the potential of getting hurt again. Again, or yes. Or having to go through the process again of, you know. Or fishing all day and not getting anything. And then how does that make you feel about yourself? You're like, I'm the worst fish person in the world. I like right? that you said, you know, you can just sit on the shore and dry your tears and then you throw it back out again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In our last episode, we talked about that. Let me add on to that personally in my life. I, right out of high school, I had someone that I was going to marry. We dated in high school and throughout the mission we wrote, it was just a really sweet relationship. And then a month before I got home, she gave me that Dear John letter and that hurt so bad. Landed some other fish. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, continued on. There was uh, one or two other relationships where I thought for sure, it was like, that was for sure. And it felt really, really good. And then those fish got away. Uh, it just didn't work out. There's too many gears that were banging against each other. Um, and that's why I was really cautious when it came to to Lydia. I really wanted to see if there was like a good catch. And the more I reeled in, the more I realized that I didn't know if the, the fish was going to hit in my boat. <laughs> You're like, I am not enough of a cowboy for that for that pony, right? She's pretty amazing. Everyone who knows, everyone's like, I know this Lydia. She's as amazing as Mark just said. That, uh, but but you really this takes some time and it takes some effort, right? Your job is to find someone with whom you can be compatible. And how do you know if they're compatible? You can't look at one tooth and one gap and go, whoa, we fit, right? you got to go all the way around as much as you can, right? I'm not, I'm not suggesting you date for 10 years. But you've got to go around that whole gear to make sure that this is a good match. You're not going to get to the end and go, I still got half a gear left and you're done, right? That you go, we really are a good match. And so if you could see on my screen here that we're looking at, I've got a picture of a puzzle. And I've used this before, but it's Angie's face, and then there's a few puzzle pieces on it. And when I pull this up in class, people are like, are you trying to, what are you doing in this? Because you can't quite figure it out when you first look at it. 
Because it's not like you're trying to piece together the person. It's more like you're trying to uncover the person, right? And so if all you do is go on Netflix dates in your roommate's apartment, right? Which would actually be your apartment too if you're roommates. <laughs> oh man, that was going to be a great statement. Turned out to be a crash and burn. Um, you know, in your friend's apartment or in your apartment, if you're like, oh, we Netflix every night. I've been going out with her for six months or with him. We've gone out for nine months. And all you ever did was Amazon Prime dates. You won't know much about them. It's the same tooth and the same gap every time, right? Without going, hey, I should see them in a variety of situations. There's no way to find out if you really are compatible, like President Monson is suggesting, if you have not been in a variety of situations. And so that's a big part of your duty when he says, find someone. And that doesn't, doesn't, he's not just talking about going out and getting a date. He's saying going and getting a date and then dating them in a way that lets you know if you're compatible. What if you go, oh, we had this one argument, tooth and gear, we're out, you know? Well, he says, realize, I'm back to his quote, realize you will not be able to anticipate every challenge which may arise, but be assured that almost anything can be worked out if you are resourceful and if you are committed to making your marriage work. So some of us are the fear of like, oh man, this was even too perfect gears. So, you know, gears that come out of a, and we're going to talk about this in another episode, but gears that come out of a factory where they've stamped them both, right? There's a sheet of metal going through and, and either they'll pour it or stamp it where they come down and stamp. It's the exact same stamp and those will be slightly different from each other still, even though it's the exact same stamp or they've used the exact same mold. And so you put those in an engine and you expect those two to fit perfectly, but, but you realize they don't. They don't. Even in, even in a perfect world, those two are going to have a moment where the top of one is going to touch the top of the other one. And so what happens? This is why when you get a brand new car, they say there's a break-in period, right? That you have to go slow enough, right? You, you go fast and then slow and fast and slow. And you change your oil a lot because you're going to be breaking off the tips of each of those or you're going to be bringing them down just a little bit so they actually will fit. And so we've got to anticipate this in the first year of marriage that even if you were the world's most perfect, if you were Adam and Eve, right, <laughs> that even those two had to have had some moments where you went, oh, there had to be a little bit of wearing down and smoothing of edges and some shavings coming off. And that's why we oil relationships. And we're going to have a whole episode about oiling your marriage, right, mm -hmm. and how to change the oil out and how to make sure it's got this clean oil that keeps the viscosity, that keeps the, the, the flow in your marriage and the, the smoothness in your marriage. And the best part about that is that you become more compatible the more that happens. Um, as long as you're, you were a good match in the beginning <laughs> and you're committed to stick it out. So Mark and I, I think, are a way better match now than we were when we were dating. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so true. I, it's funny. I have this 1996 Honda XR200. It's like this old classic bike. We pull up and everyone comes around to our trailer and goes, I had one of these, you know, because <laughs> everybody had one of these old bikes. And this thing has been ridden, I don't know, tens of thousands of miles. But you can just feel that all the gears just fit in it. Over all that time, uh, I, when I bought the bike, it had totally run out of oil. And I don't know how long it had been without oil. But, you know, I did the test ride. I don't know that. There was not one drop of oil in it, which would normally ruin the engine on a bike. But this thing had become so, those gears had become so compatible that somehow it didn't. You know, they just, they, they fit so well. Now, I would never do that because it would eventually overheat. Even the best marriages 
I would never submit them to that. They need to have lots of oil, even the best marriages. So the set, let, let's go clear back then to his quote, and then let's kind of think back through what we already talked about. So we're back to Bruce McConkie. He said, the right person for you is someone that that natural, wholesome, and normal affection that should exist does exist. Then we jump to President Monson, and you should be very compatible. So not only do you find them attractive, but in every other aspect of your life, you're compatible. Back to President, back to Bruce McConkie. Quote, it is the person who is living so that he or she can go to the temple of God and make the covenants that we there make. So you have this objective of saying, I'm not dating you for a make-out session. I'm not dating you for a temporal thing. I'm looking at you as my potential fifth, you know, other half, my 100%, my, you know, the other half of me. I'm looking at becoming one unit with you. And, and so that really changes things. And so combining all of that, right? Let's, let's break all, let's go back and combine all this again. We're dating and we're saying, I'm going to look at the disposition of this person. What, you know, I'm going to kind of examine them and I'm going to do it by dating, right? So I'm, I'm examining them first. Then I'm measuring my feelings. Hey, uh, do I find them attractive? In all of these different ways, right? Do I find them socially attractive, emotionally attractive? Do I find them physically attractive? You know, at least enough do I want to be with them. So are they a good person? Do I find them attractive? And then on to present Monson's. Do I find that we're compatible, the two of us? And then is this a relationship that I can see going on to eternity, right? Is this, are they going to be a good parent? Are they going to be a good husband, a good wife for me? So there's, there's four of us to look at. Mark, go ahead. Um, so adding on to that, I remember coming into Brother Eggett's office and talking about Lydia. And I asked him because I was being a perfectionist and I wanted all the gears to fit. I wanted each single one and I wanted to wait until I knew everything would fit perfect. And I asked him, like, how do I know... I know there's like there's great people out there and he just looked at me and he said if all you do is walking down up and down shopping you'll never check out and that stuck with me and there came to a point in our relationship where um, I just kept on waiting for all those gears to fit perfect we had so many good things going for us and going to back to the very beginning reeling in that fish really fast uh, I didn't I was ringing it too slow. <laughs> so she was, she came right up to the boat. It was getting loose on the line. Yeah. So she told me, uh, literally, like, I'm taking this hook out. Like, I am done. Like, ah, we're good. <laughs> she, she had their confirmation. She felt it and she knew it. And I was being too stubborn until uh, it was like an act of faith where I just, I took the leap of faith and I knew that it was something good. And I had an amazing, wonderful spiritual experience that was such a beautiful confirmation of that. And our gears have been really good. Things are going good. Yes, and knowing you two over the last two years, it's been fun to watch that you've gotten more and more compatible over time. And Lydia, that was so great. Mark, I said if you just keep shopping, you're never going to check out. Man, sometimes I'm good, right? (laughs) Sometimes I say the right thing. i got to write those down when I do. Thanks for remembering that. Okay, so we're going to wrap this little portion up because this is actually going to be broken into a couple. This is the real one that a lot of people want to hear, right? This is where it comes down to saying, I'm dating, should I marry this person, right? And and we're teaching you here, it's not about should I, but is this a good match, right? 
and, and this is going to require effort on your part. And so just recapping these quotes one more time, and then we're going to close with a, a quote by Elder Scott. The first piece is saying, hey, I've spent enough time with them that I'm doing my duty in terms of thinking about them, right? So this is a quote we used five times ago by President Kimball, where he says, certainly the most careful planning, thinking, praying, and fasting should be done. And so I've spent, I've done my due diligence to think about them and to examine them and to say, what is their inheritance? What have they learned growing up? Is this somebody, is this just puppy love? Is this infatuation? Or am I really attracted to them as a spouse? That's step one. This is for all those out there in radio land that are listening, right? I'm trying to make it as easy as I can. Step two, am I attracted to them? Because I bet you every one of us could say, I know somebody that I think is the most amazing person, right? But I just was never attracted to them. That's, that's true. I, I can't tell you how many young men and young women have come into my office and said, oh, there's this guy or there's this girl in my ward. If only I was attracted to them, <laughs> right? That, that's just what I, I just, I, I don't want to date them. We call those people friends, right? We find them amazing. We're just not dating them, right? So first is I've done my due diligence to get to know them. Second, uh, am I attracted to them? That's a really great question. And not just physically attracted, but am I attracted to them socially? and spiritually and emotionally, do I find them attractive in all of their being, not just their body, right? In all of their being, not just their body. Third, well, they're, they're amazing. I'm attracted to them, but how compatible are the two of us? And you really find that out by dating, right? Mm-hmm. You spend time with them. You, how do the conversations flow? Do we have the same objectives? You know, and we're, we're trying to match up gears there. And then fourth, are we ready to go to the temple together? Right? The person that is right for you is the person that's going to go to the temple with you. Right? Now, that may sound like, wow, I have Mark, I'm really glad you brought this up. Okay, I've got to just find just the exact right person. They've got to fit every every tooth, every cog, everything's got to be perfect. I love what Elder Scott says here, and we're gonna let him wrap it up. He says, quote, as you seek an eternal companion, look for someone who is developing the essential attributes that bring happiness. I love that. He says, look for someone who's developing those. Now, he's going to name the attributes that were significant for him and that he believes are significant for everyone. He says, someone who's developing this essential attributes to bring happiness, a deep love of the Lord and of his commandments. Does the person that you're contemplating marrying, do they love the Lord? And do they love his commandments or are they burdens? A determination to live them. That will be significant if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. You want to marry somebody who has a determination to live the commandments. And one that is kindly, understanding, forgiving of others, and willing to give of self, with the desire to have a family crowned with beautiful children and the commitment to teach them the principles of truth in the home. Isn't that interesting? He said, interesting. He said, look and see how they feel about having a family. Because we've talked in these episodes about our destiny is to become like our heavenly parents. And so we're looking for somebody who wants to become a heavenly parent. And how do you know that? If they have a desire to be an earthly parent, right? And, and I don't shy away from saying that, neither has Elder Scott, that, hey, that's something you should look for in a spouse, as a person who has a desire to be an earthly parent. I love this, uh, where he says, so he goes on. This is from Conference Report, uh, April 1999. I suggest that you not ignore many possible candidates who are still developing these attributes, seeking the one who is perfected in them. 
you will likely not find that perfect person. And if you did, there would certainly be no interest in you. <laughs> I just love that. It's the first time he kind of lays down the smack there. All right? If there was one person, perfect, perfect person out there, they probably wouldn't be interested in someone like us, right? But he says, these attributes are best polished together as husband and wife. So we're looking to see potential sometimes. And, and not saying, oh, I'm going to take this person out of the you know, out of the gutter and get them into the temple. He's not saying that. If the person is doing things that are totally contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we want to make sure that they live up to the standard before we date them. But he's saying some of these things, right, the, the patience will come as you are a married couple. Um, and I think a lot of it you can identify by finding out what their intentions are in the way they act and their willingness to learn um, and change, not to look for how you can change them, but to see how they take life lessons and if it actually affects them and they kind of switch. Because that's one of the things I love about Mark is that we both have enough give and take that we, we meld together because we, I don't know, we're both willing to learn and adjust so more than, I guess, find someone who's willing to change, like find someone who's willing to adjust. Hmm. As I like that. I like that. And and marry somebody that you're already compatible with. Yeah. And and those slight changes, right? Those changes that need to happen will. I've often said, don't date a cowboy boot if you're looking for a running shoe, because that's going to be a lot of pain in cutting them down, right? You know, but if you, but if you marry a cowboy boot because that's what you were looking for, eventually that boot will begin to fit to your foot. It will change. It will mold. It will, it, you know, if you've ever bought leather shoes, they eventually you go, wow, these fit so well. And they, they didn't before. So so we can see that kind of change. We just don't want to, like Hannah, like you said, you know, we don't want to go, oh, I'm really a boot, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become a New Balance grandpa looking shoe. That's, the, that's what my kids said to me this week. I'm like, ah, right, come on, you guys. They're like, you wear the old New Balance grandpa looking version. Um you know, we don't want to change to that extent, but we can count on right having some flexibility and seeing some molding uh, to the foot of the, the person that we're with. Well, this has been fun. I have loved being there with you, with, with the three of you. Thank being here with the three of you. Thank you so much. Let's just so in the recap, right? The, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that compatibility that we have found, right? Because we've done our duty. We've studied out that disposition. We've we've become attracted to them. And then now we've, right, we're compatible. And as Elder Scott is saying here, hey, don't, don't expect perfection, that that kind of stuff will come, right? But you have to at least be a good match like those gears like uh, President Monson was teaching us. All right, thanks so much. Well, this was part one. We're going to have parts two and part three all about could I marry the person that I'm dating or is the person I'm dating a good match for me? Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. In podcast land, this is Kayla. I just wanted to make a plug in right at the very end just to say thank you so much for listening. Honestly, Brian and Hannah, Lydia, and Mark, they really covered everything that I would have added in to this episode. All I have to say is just tune in for the next two episodes. They're going to be money. Um, especially, this is like Brian said, this is going to be one of the most listened to episodes because really, well, when it comes down to it, we really want to know do we know? if this is the right person for us to marry. So don't, don't miss the next two episodes. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out on our Facebook page, The Art of Dating Podcast, as well as our email, which is Podcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, don't miss, don't miss another episode. Tune in next week on Tuesday for episode 17. Have a good one, everyone. Bye.